It's Cofield and Company. 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 Oh, I'm working for Steve Cofield, and it's just it's just nonstop. It's a nonstop. nonstop. In spite of being uh, quite chubby and not eating healthy, I don't have enough donuts. I should eat more donuts because I love them. So Willie's all, Willie's all amped up. Yeah, now I'm ready. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. It's Friday, Friday, gotta get down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend, weekend. Friday, Friday, getting down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend. Partying, 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 partying. Fun, fun, fun. All right, here we go. Cofield and Company on a Friday, 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 Friday. Uh, Willie Ramirez is here with us. Cofield, we're in the Finley Toyota Studios. Let's get to it. It's the three on Cofield and Company. Uh, big today, uh, big day today for local sports. We got the Aces playing a game at the uh, Link, so we'll get to that uh, throughout the show. Five o'clock start. No radio. We only do the home games here on ESPN Las Vegas. No radio, but there is a watch party uh, at. Parkway Tavern in Henderson, Marks. So if you're in that uh, area of town, if not, drive over there. We're doing viewing parties for the Aces. Today it's the Lynx, 5 o'clock start, Parkway Tavern, great spot for happy hour. So uh, Aces basketball, good crowd shows up to all these watch parties. So big news of the last couple of days, both the NBA and free agency and the uh, disgruntled players in the NBA, which essentially is like free agency. We're going to get to that throughout the show and – we're going to get some West Coast perspective because uh, we are in the Pacific time zone. And as I've said many times, and I mean West Coast perspective on both the NBA, but especially the conference realignment that could be coming. We already know USC and UCLA are on the move. I've said this many times. Uh, the West Coast, in spite of a massive population out here and a very desirable place to live all up and down the West Coast, and you know, I love Las Vegas, we are completely up, uh, underrepresented when it comes to media coverage completely underrepresented. Uh, yesterday, I was, you know, as I'm tracking what's going on with USC and UCLA, you know, I'm watching all these comments from college football experts, and there's no one featured from out this way. Like, no one. I watched one emergency pod with four guys, and it was like, Big 12 and Big 10 writers. What do they know about the Pac-12? So I think what's happened the last day or so, Willie, is this whole narrative like, Pac-12's dead! It's done! 107-year-old conference that still has schools in Phoenix, Portland, Seattle, San Francisco, and then some outliers with Wazoo and Oregon State. And conference is done! So today, we want to actually bring you some experts from the West Coast who will talk about what's going on. Again, 107-year-old conference isn't dead in the water, and I do want to point out later on in the show, there is a certain bit of arrogance from folks in the Big 12 who are like, we're stable. You are? Right now, does anyone feel stable? If you're outside of the SEC or the Big 10, you feel stable about your school? So we'll get to that. Um, now, our concern with the Pac-12 potentially blowing up or – you know, grabbing other schools is, hey, do they grab some Mountain West schools? Do they grab some Big 12 schools? But we've also got pretty intense ties to the Pac-12 from an event standpoint. This is their home for postseason football and postseason men's and women's basketball. 
What do you think is going to happen now? Especially like the Pac-12 football title game. I don't know what's going to happen now with that agreement moving forward. Well, I, I obviously they're they're going to. I, I personally believe that when all of the we started seeing teams move and, the, and before yesterday with other conferences, I think that a lot of the power conferences they sort of have a. I would imagine they have a strategic plan in place in the event of. Now, I don't know if it's if it's to the extent of well, if we lose this team, if we lose that team, there's way too many combinations. But I would imagine they have something in place. Um, I, I can't imagine that Las Vegas is going to lose. Is going all of a sudden they're not going to come here. Um, you're talking about years down the road of of a conference dissolving, right? If, if that were to be the case, number one, number two. The, the, the one thing that I will say about Las Vegas being a destination place in the event, let's say the Pac-12 somewhere down the line blows up and, and they create some other super conference somewhere else. Where's everybody taking their postseason anyway? We're seeing the NFL bring the Pro Bowl and the Super Bowl. We're seeing what this has been the hotbed in March for many of the West Coast conferences, West Coast Conference, Pac-12, Big West, Mountain West. They're already coming here. Right. So... My my thought process is is that you know as we progress in times, if let's say the Pac-12 dissolves and they'd have to vacate, and the men's and women's uh, tournaments aren't coming here, okay, that also leaves that week open for whatever conference. Don't you think that Vegas is still going to be the destination place? So I don't know how much I believe that Las Vegas is going to suffer outside of those built-in fans for teams like schools like USC and UCLA. As much as it's going to, you know, I, it, it's more or less a hit on the conference. But as far as Vegas, I, I believe that this town continues to grow as a destination spot. And you're still going to see this being a viable option for whatever conference it may be wanting to bring its postseason tournament, the, the, champ, the football championship. And let's not forget that the Big Ten has a deal in place to come every other year. Now, right. that's against the Pac-12, and the Pac-12 playing alternating SEC Big Ten. Las Vegas Bowl, that that ties in. So, hey, if USC and UCLA, one of the two decides to uh, or, or makes a run at the Big Ten title, you never know. We may see them Could out be here back anyway. Again, right? So I, I just think that Vegas is such a hotbed at this point that I don't know if it's Vegas that suffers as much as the conference. I agree. I agree. And if we flex our muscle, we can pretty much do anything here because of the facilities and the hotel rooms and – I would look at this as a chance to embrace chaos, you know, Absolutely. And, and slip through some openings. But we'll get to that in a little bit. And we are going to talk to uh, UNLV Athletic Director Eric Harper in the middle of this hour. Uh, local athlete news from baseball. Bryce Harper. Mm, yeah. This sucks. It does. Got nailed over the weekend. Blake Snell, broken left thumb. So Bryce defending NL MVP was on his way to certainly competing for another MVP award. That would have been back-to-back in a third of his career. He's probably down about two months for the Phillies. I don't think this means the Phillies are dead in the water. Uh, they try. They have money. They will go out and trade for someone to fill the void. You're not going to get another Bryce Harper, but you know, to this point in the year, he's hitting, what, 318, 15 homers, 48 ribs. So we'll track uh, when he comes back and the most important time of the year in the postseason. NBA news. A lot of fascinating stuff's going to happen here over the next couple of weeks, right? 
We'll get to Durant. Maybe something's going to happen sooner than later with Durant, but I think they're going to the Nets are going to hash through all the possibilities. But we're also going to see some really weird player movement because when a Kevin Durant is available, a lot of times teams, you know, start getting all chubbed up and they get their hopes up, but to do that, you got to clear some cap space. So we're seeing some moves. Like now, I don't think the Indiana Pacers just move move Malcolm Brogdon to the Celtics because they expect to get Kevin Durant, but there's some Utah Jazz stuff that happened today that's pretty interesting. Uh, BBW, our favorite NBA guy, Big Brian Windhorst, he was predicting this morning that something's going on in Jazzland. Rudy Gobert is out now with the Jazz. He's off, uh, he's off to the Timberwolves. And then, you know, like I said, the, the uh, deals like Brogdon, those are the kind of deals that come May, you're like, damn, the Celtics are kind of loaded. Yeah, Every deal doesn't have to be some megastar that you add to the mix. You know, if you add, uh, you know, a number 25 to 75 player in the league to a good cast already, that can have you approaching, you know, superpower status. So that's a good addition for a finalist in the NBA. And then I think the most intriguing because of the cost and because of his health, his motivation, John Wall to the Clippers is really interesting. I mean, the guy just made a lot of money with the Wiz and the Rockets and didn't really play a whole lot because of, you know, an Achilles injury that just goes on and on and on. You know, a healthy John Wall, I mean, does he have like a, you know, a second half of the career resurgence like Derrick Rose, but better? You add John Wall, maybe he can go out there, play 60 games, be healthy for the playoffs. You add that to Kawhi coming back at 100%, Paul George, Clippers, two years, $13 million. I, uh, for John Wall. I like that move. Yeah. I, I've been a John Wall fan, uh, both on and off the court. I, you know, just the character that he brings. Um, you know, we all know here in Las Vegas, Tommy Shepard, the general manager of the Washington Wizards from his time here at UNLV. So, you, you know, talking to him year after year at the NBA Summer League, you kind of get a sense and just, you know, you always catch up, but always hear good things about John Wall. And um, I like the move specifically because I think from a mental standpoint, he's going to have a chip on his shoulder to want to somewhat prove his worth and 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 also like you said on that second half of his career prove that he still has it and when you center him around you know put him sort of to lead an offense that that includes a guy who could play two way you know Ka- Kawhi Leonard he's stupendous on both sides of the of the court and then you know as you said Paul George I mean I I I really like this move you mentioned the Celtics and I agree with you where a lot of these mega deals where it looks like on one side but you kind of you're wondering <clears throat> on the other side what, but you have a, a a core with Tatum and Brown and Smart, and now you add this to the mix. Come October, we're going to look up and, like you said, we're going to see some rosters, not just with the Celtics, but you're going to see those additions of some role players where young squads that just didn't get over the hump in the playoffs and and they they showed flashes of brilliance here, showed they could be the up and coming team. Those are the pieces to the puzzle. Your stars are in place. Talked a lot about the Grizzlies yesterday. Could that be a landing spot for Durant? That's another team. What will they? What kind of moves could they make? They locked up John Morant. What other moves could they make that could possibly cement that team? Three six four eleven hundred. Caller seven. Let's do a giveaway right now. We got a four pack of tickets. Good for any day from July seventeenth to the seventeenth. It's NBA Summer League tickets, July seventh to the seventeenth. UNLVtickets.com is where you can grab your tickets. I would go on the first night, July seventh, because on opening night. You're going to feature matchups with 
the number one pick versus the number three pick, also the number five pick against the number seven pick. You've got uh, games that feature Jabari Smith and Paolo Bancaro. Bancaro turned out to be the number one pick as Orlando will go against the Rockets. Shaden Sharp, who was actually the number one rated player in this last high school class. He's with Portland. He's the seventh pick in the draft. Jaden Ivey landed with the Pistons, so Pistons and Blazers will play on opening night, but 11 days uh, 75 plus games. You can get your own tickets at unlvtickets.com right now. Caller seven. You get a four pack for the summer league. Good for any day. Three, six, four, 1100. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Now back to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Rolling on here on a Friday, no conflict Friday. I promise, no fights, not at all. Uh, it was funny. I was just reading, you know, all the commentary about USC and UCLA to the Big Ten, mm. and you know, people are charting uh, LA all the way to the East Coast. Um, the funny thing is, LA to most of the Big Ten spots, maybe outside of like Columbus. I guess Detroit's a little bit further. But most of the flights are like three and a half hours. L.A. to Seattle is actually three hours. Like I don't think people realize how far away the Pacific Northwest is. Uh, the crazy thing is with the athletes at USC and UCLA, they're uh, they're going to have to figure out a way to. Uh, they're going to do cluster trips where they're going to go on the road, uh, and they're going to be on the road. I think for like seven or ten days. Now, not football, but some of the other sports because it's just gonna it's gonna be reality. So we'll get into that with Eric Harper about changing times and li- listen. This is already this stuff was already kind of a reality with uh, what the Big Twelve just added. You know, there are some Big Twelve schools where you're like, wow, I got to go all the way to Orlando, Florida. That's a pretty long trip. This is the way of the world now. And uh, while the athletes may benefit some of them from all the new money that will come in, you know, four and five years from now with these big TV deals, it is going to be a little more taxing on the athletes in terms of travel and. And studies. So we got an Aces game coming up, Las Vegas Aces game coming up in about 90 minutes. They're playing at? Minneapolis. Okay. How have the Lynx been since they were here? I know they've been here a couple times. They've been here a couple times, but the Minnesota Lynx are a team that they might be the best 5-6 win team in the league. Right. You pointed out early on that they had a lot of people coming back early in the season, so they got off to kind of a poor start. Um, You know, you you get some early season entries onto the roster because they're playing abroad. And right now the Aces, listen, it's not a disaster, but they were so freaking dominant through, you know, 14 games. It hasn't been that great lately. No, it hasn't. You're you're, you're talking about a team that's in double revenge. They came to Vegas. They led the last game and ended up losing 96-95. But if you look at Minnesota's losses, they lost... They've lost by four, they've lost by two, they lost by one, and they lost by three. Those are just their last losses. And you're talking losses to Chicago, Vegas, and Seattle, three of the top teams in the league. So um, they beat up on Phoenix. Um, They just beat a really good Dallas team the other night. So this is a team, you know, because Las Vegas, their defense has really somewhat fallen apart. Um as of late, after a nine and one start to the season, it's a little troublesome to to you know. I, I'm sure Becky Hammond. It's frustrating for her. Um, you can you can point to the depth if you like. You could talk to 
Talk to the fact that Raquana Williams was injured, and she's a defensive stopper and a very good guard at both ends, and veteran and experience. But the fact remains is they've held some leads and they've been competitive, but they've they've lost to top teams in the league. They've scrapped to beat the mediocre teams. Minnesota, you could consider to be a mediocre record, but a very talented and experienced team with the likes of Kayla McBride and Sylvia Fowles, who you know is on her swan song of a career and one of the greatest of all time. And so, you know, I, I believe that the Lynx, they're going to have a chip on their shoulder in terms of that double revenge factor from losing two games in Las Vegas and, and, and becoming more competitive as the season has progressed. So what do you think happens? My gut tells me that Minnesota is going to win this game outright. What? Yeah, I just think that... Uh, I think that Vegas is reeling right now, and it's a back-to-back, so they're playing two games. What I do think is that whoever wins tonight will probably lose the second time around before Vegas returns home. Um, I do believe that Minnesota can – they're catching Las Vegas at the right time in terms of the the schedule and how it plays out. The travel schedule can be, you know, rigorous. They're not necessarily used to it. So not that they're not used to it, but it's, you know, I believe they're – Third road game in five nights. They won in L.A. on Monday. They lost in Seattle on Wednesday. Now they're Minneapolis. You know, you're traveling and you're sleeping in hotels. Your mind is starting to play tricks on you in terms of how you're playing. Um, The Commissioner's Cup, the standing. Seattle is playing great. They're two games back of Las Vegas. Remember, like Seattle started, they were about five, six games back of Vegas when they they were 9-1. and And now Seattle's on their heels. So I think there's a lot going on, a lot to process, and the depth is catching up with them. Do I think that you know they're going to nosedive? No, but I think that Minnesota's catching Vegas in a vulnerable spot, and they can beat them tonight. And that's why the Aces, you know, hopefully Becky can get something out of her bench players. Her reserves can come. She's really been making a conscientious effort to get them involved earlier in the game than she was earlier this season. I've noticed that. Um, Kia Stokes has put in some quality time. You know, they have some youngsters. They have the veteran like Sid Colson. They have Raquana Williams. They have the... They have the depth. It's a matter of getting them in sync and playing the same time. When you have the starting five that the Aces do, it's really hard to somewhat you know, equate and, and duplicate off the bench. It's a matter of just getting the right combination, the right chemistry to supply those reserve minutes. Do you have an update on the Mercury? Another proud franchise. They're 9-12. and 12. Early in the season, we had... Uh... <laughs> Tarasi kind of looked like a hated figure. Remember that whole showdown? Right. There are more troubles now? Yeah. I, <laughs> Maybe it wasn't Tarasi? It might not Maybe have been Maybe it's Tarassi. just a toxic mix of multiple well, players and the coach? Well, I, I'm wondering if now, you know, Skylar Diggins-Smith, there was a video of her. They were coming off the off the floor the other night, and she was going back and forth jawing with first-year coach Vanessa Nygaard. Not sure Maybe they were. She was just venting frustration in whatever took place, but you know, reports were that it was it, they were a little bit of a tirade toward the coach. So, Skylar Diggins Smith is named to the All Star uh, team. Diana Taurasi is not not a reserve. There have been people that have come out. Responses have been: This won't be an All Star game without 
the goat. How, how, how do you, how do you, you know, so other people, players are saying, yeah, we're going to go to Chicago play an all-star game, but it ain't no all-star game without Diana Taurasi. The goat's not there. This is not an all-star game. And how can you not put her best friend, put Sue Bird's best friend on the roster for her final all-star appearance? So Vanessa Nygaard was on the dais and she had this speech saying basically what I just said. The Mercury tweeted it. Skylar Diggins-Smith, she quoted the tweet with a clown emoji. Oh, really? So my so question, that thing's not over yet. Well, here's so my question is: Really, was she clowning Nygaard, uh, okay, okay. or was she saying clowning the league, clowning the league for the decision? That's that's why I think it was a very strategic move by Skylar Diggins Smith sure. because uh-huh. you could have easily put clown with the word show. Yep, I may have texted you that in, she knows, in the last. She year, knows like she this. didn't make it clear. Exactly, she left it yeah. out there like okay. I'm either clowning her or I'm saying no, no, no. So if it becomes an issue, she could she has an easy out and saying, "You guys are mixing this and taking things out of context." I was saying that it's a clown Damn. move and leaving Diana off. Fun times drama in the WNBA. Let's see if uh, the links will fall to the Aces tonight. Aces looking to get back going in a good direction. Watch party Mark's location of Parkway Tavern. It's Parkway Tavern five o'clock. The Mark's location in Henderson, ESPN Las Vegas. On the road, go check out the Aces. Cool prizes to be given away. It's a five o'clock tip. The crew over at Finley Toyota speak Spanish, Thai, and even Persian. In fact, they speak fourteen different languages. Come in and talk the universal language of big savings today. Hands it off to Williams. Charles off the left side, cuts inside, and Charles Williams piles into the end zone on fourth and one. They gave it to Charles Williams on a sweep to the far side, and he goes in for a touchdown. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. UNLV football going to be uh, opening things up here camp-wise in about a month, right? Football is right around the corner. Raiders, July 18th for the rookies, July 20th for the vets. And when it comes to college football, we have the crazy last couple of days. And, you know, I'm just going to – I'm going to draw – it's a a very loose connection. You know, when you're in the same battle – the last thing you want to do is get divided and fight amongst yourselves, right? So I'm going to make this quick connection. Um, we talked about Draymond Green early in the week, basically calling Kendrick Perkins a race trader, using a stronger word. It's like, guys, what are you doing? Especially for Draymond Green. Like, dude, you're, you're the one during the NBA Finals who I think turned a situation that was not about race. But you're the one who said there's two Americas. And then within two weeks... You're throwing out, you know, blasphemy about a fellow NBAer in Kendrick Perkins. And again, I said I'm tying this together loosely, right? Okay. What I've watched the last couple of days from college sports fans going at it with each other about which schools deserve this or that, and specifically the Mountain West Conference, all the fans in the Mountain West Conference, you're all in the same boat. Like, there are some schools that might have things that are slightly more attractive in some areas than others, but you're weaker in other areas. And, you know, I know UNLV and Reno have a rivalry, right? UNLV and Nevada, and, you know, our buddy Ray Brewer at the Las Vegas Sun, he's been arguing with people about, you know, facilities. This, Listen, 
we as I'll, I'll call, I'll say we, right? Even though I'm from a Big Ten school, right? But in the Mountain West, we all really are in the same position. You're on the outside looking in, and they don't want to let you in. And the last chance to get in may have been the addition of BYU, Houston, Cincinnati, and Central Florida to the Big 12. We could be headed towards two like mega super conferences of like 24 teams apiece, the Big 10, the Big 24, and the SEC 24. We could be headed to four power conferences with 64 teams. So when I see... You know, Colorado State fans fighting with UNLV or Nevada fighting with San Diego State or San Jose State comments, Fresno comments. Dan Wolken, a national college football writer, just put out um, a shrunk-down version of the Pac-12 that they would add one school, Fresno State. And all of a sudden, people are like, Fresno! You realize you're all in the same boat. And the worst part of the discussions are most fans in these other markets have no idea of what the situation is in the market they're talking about. You get what I'm saying? Absolutely. Like, people will bash on what Vegas has, and I, and I hear, like, hey, they have one in football. Oh, and their facility. Like, their fa- wait, you're going to rip the facilities here now? Or, you know, go after Reno for this, or go after San Diego State for that, or Fresno for this, or Colorado State, or why? It's like, you're all in the same boat. Right. Now, you had an interesting question that you sent over earlier. If there were going to be some schools in the Mountain West that actually, bond, what, bonded together to, what, stay at the group of five or try to have a four-school package and go, hey, look at us. Where are the four that you want to bring into the power four or five conferences? Yeah. Which one is it? That they're going to stay? Group of five or, or well, it's the upper think, mobility? I think no matter what the case is, that you're, you're, you're either in with all of us or none of us. And that would be, you know, so if the Mountain West, you know, if it gets to the point where the Mountain West has to yeah. has to create something with another conference and whatever it would be called, or right, if right. another conference comes a calling. Okay. You gotta put you gotta put this group in. We're coming as one because. Like do you think said, there, do you think there would be any loyalty among? I'm gonna call call use the term thieves. We're not this is not really thieves, but do you think there'd be any loyalty? I mean, we see it we see it in states, you know, and there you know, we have all these rivalries, right? Um, but we see it. I mean, would Nevada or UNLV not immediately turn us back on the other school if they had a chance to get hit the lottery? You see, Washington already applied for the Big Ten. Like, they didn't – no one in Washington, I'm sure, called up Washington State. Like, hey, guys, we're going to get it. Like, no. Screw off. Or I'm sure Oregon folks were like, Oregon State, you coming? So that loyalty, your your premise on this is really interesting. Well, no, we're not – you didn't see that yesterday. USC, UCLA just packed up, and, you know, I don't think anybody saw it coming. There were some guesses out there, but nobody saw it coming, and they just abruptly made this announcement. But what I'm saying is if you if you set it in stone ahead of time, now, does that mean that there's loyalty? Probably not. No. Doesn't mean that they're gonna stick by it. But I think if you get it, if you get that foundation laid and you say, okay, listen, UNLV, San Diego State, Fresno State, and I would get venture to say Colorado State, given the money, um, you take all four of us. Because <laughs> you, could, you, could, you could seriously... I'm sorry, dude. I, I, have to, I just laugh. It's, I don't know. I just don't... I don't, I don't now, don't when it comes happening. down to it, we could see the loyalty getting thrown out the window. Yeah. But I'm talking about the, pre, the, the, the initial stages of talking. Right. I could definitely see them. I mean, that's how the Mountain West was created. Uh, let's talk college sports with an expert. This guy played football at Kansas State. He worked at Kansas State. He worked at Arizona. So he's worked in the Big 12 and the Pac-12. Now he's the AD here at UNLV. Eric Harper is up with Steve Cofield and Willie Ramirez. How are you, sir? 
I'm good, Steve. How you guys doing? Our heads are spinning. I don't know what it's like for you guys. It must, I'm assuming it's it's even crazier. Uh, you know, for you, well, what's it been like the last couple of days? I just I wonder what the reaction is to seeing UCLA and USC bail for a Midwest conference. It's it's been all quiet, Steve. I mean, are you kidding me? It's been quiet. Um, but just seeing uh, SC and UCLA, and I mean, you just mentioned I was at Kansas State. I, I was at Arizona. I was at Kansas State during the Big Eight when. It went to the Big 12. I was at Arizona when it went from the Pac-10 to the Pac-12. So um, this, you know, this day and age in college athletics, uh, you know, can't really be surprised, even though there is a little bit of surprise. However, you know, if if, if you're in college athletics, athletics like any profession, you have to expect the unexpected. Yeah. And it's been it's been amazing uh, last 24 hours to to start hearing the information. Then to see what happens, and then uh, just all the speculation going on right now is uh, kind of crazy. In the end, the, the balance when we discuss what conferences schools are going to be at, how much it is it actually about the athletes versus what TV wants? Because it feels like it's like 98% TV, 2% athletes. You know, that's, that's an interesting question, Steve, uh, and you're right. It, every time you see uh, somebody in realignment, it's about uh, the dollars uh, and the cents as it relates to TV contracts, you know, projected, uh, what, $100, $100 million annually in the Big Ten. Uh, those numbers are staggering. Uh, how much, with NIL and all of that, how much are we going to trickle down to the athletes? Right. Uh, and that's, that's still an, obviously a, a major unknown. But that said, there are budgets, and you do need money. And if there are ways, you know, there are ways to generate money. And and sports, successful sports programs, it, you know, is essentially like marketing. So it does up applicants. It can up the quality of students and professors. So there, there's a there's a balance there. So around the Mountain West Conference, did you chat at all yesterday with some ads, or have there been some ideas thrown around? Like, hey, this is what's going on. This is my reaction. Uh, you know, there's nothing that we discussed that wasn't out on the wires and all the different uh, other possibilities of additional comp- uh, institutions moving uh, to different conferences. Uh, you know, again, just too early to tell since everything broke yesterday. But at, at the same time, as we all know, uh, there's there's always going to be there's going to be more movement that goes on. Uh, how much? Who knows? How fast it happens? Who knows? But there's definitely going to be some movement, uh, you know, as uh, as these new TV contracts get in the, in the face of negotiating. Uh, there's, I have to believe, there's one or two, three contracts that are going to be negotiated in successive years uh, as we continue to move through uh, the next few years. So, Eric, I, you know, you say like all the news broke yesterday, but in reality, we've been seeing these shifts from power conference to power conference and teams leaving here to go there. Um, it's 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 been an ongoing. When you're in your position, you know, you obviously you're not hitting the panic button when each time this happens. But I would have to imagine that there are at least strategic sessions that take place where there's something already in place, or or there's some preparatory. Activity, you 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 kind of already know the direction you're going to take with as you see all these other things progress. Man, I, I don't know that you always know exactly what direction you're going to take. I think you have to be prepared for all directions. Uh, in one respect, you have to be 
prepared to continue to make the decisions that are in the best interest of your institution, uh, your student athletes community, and your fan base. Uh, but you don't, uh, I mean, putting anything out in front before uh, it actually happens is, is, is uh, you know, acting prematurely, which can also cause more issues uh, for your institution, uh, for your department, uh, than to, you know, wait for some type of certainty. And the only certainty right now is change. Eric Harper's with us on Cofield and Company. He's the athletic director at UNLV. Let's talk about UNLV sports uh, before we, you know, look ahead a little bit to the, you know, the future nationally. Uh, UNLV sports-wise, the 22-23 seasons are coming. So let's first off talk football. Um, what are you excited about with football? Uh, you know, what's what's coming up with the the roster that Marcus Arroyo brings back? The newcomers. What are your thoughts right now on the football program? You know, what, what Marcus has done in recruiting uh, since his arrival at UNLV is, is pretty spectacular. Uh, you know, he's, he's, he's filled some, some spaces that he felt needed to be filled as it relates to two players. Uh, now, now mixing and, and matching those players to compete at a high level so that they reach their opti- optimum uh, ability to, to compete and win games. Uh, excited to see Coach in his third year. Uh, you know, kind of really the, the second year of, 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 in one respect, full, uh, and see him grow as a head coach. You know, all, all coaches uh, have an opportunity, and they, and they make the opportunity to grow each and every year. And I think Marcus has, has put himself and the program in a position to grow this year, uh, albeit a very difficult schedule, uh, but an opportunity to, uh, to have a lot of success starting out with Idaho's uh, state there uh, with North Texas and Cal in the early goings there, and then uh, dipping into the conference schedule, uh, and uh, and then putting Notre Dame right slap in the in the middle of all of that, which is uh, an opportunity for our, our team and our to grow, to build, to mature, uh, and be competitive and win games. That Idaho State game got moved up a week. Uh, what was the deal on that one? Uh, just an opportunity to bump it up a week, and uh, also gives us a, another week. Uh, of preparation for Cal. Okay. So now we have two open weeks. Uh, it was an opportunity that we could we could do, and it's, it's uh, you know it's not going to always be that way to be able to play in zero week. Uh, but this was an opportunity to give us another uh, week of uh, preparation for Cal. What are your thoughts on roster building? I'm fascinated by the now third recruiting period because uh, Marcus Arroyo wound up bringing in upwards of like 14, 15, 16 guys in the uh, third session. I think in total, uh, these are rough numbers, like in total 24 out of the program, they moved on like 30 in. What do you think about roster building this way? And you, you played the game. What's it going to be like from a chemistry standpoint to try to meld all this together pretty quickly? You know, with, with, you know, I have a lot of confidence in our, in our coaching staff and their ability to recruit the right pieces. And what you have to do is make sure that when you're recruiting that you're, you're, you're not compromising your values and your ethics uh, as it relates to filling the right pieces of your, of your program. If you need three receivers, go get three receivers. If you need two quarterbacks, go get two quarterbacks. And make sure everybody understands that the best player is going to play yep. uh, and, and be, fair, be up front. Uh, and coach is going to be up front with those guys and say, look, the, the best guy is going to play. And everybody has to be ready, as we as we can see across college athletics, <clears throat> uh, especially in the in the sport of football. The number of guys that start the season that actually don't end the season um, is is staggering at times. I mean, there's two or three quarterbacks that could play in any given game, 
Uh, Alabama has proven that. Uh, we've played multiple quarterbacks in games. A lot of schools have played multiple quarterbacks. Even Georgia did this year, and they won a national championship. So uh, you just got to have everybody that's on the same page, pulling the rope in the same direction, and committed to being a team player and not being individuals. Eric, you, you, you talked about Marcus uh, a minute ago, and, and, and you just talked with the roster uh, building and, and the chemistry and, and, and sort of setting the tone in his message. But, you know, something I've been impressed with over the last month is watching some of the social media interaction with the actual UNLV football um, on Instagram and, and Twitter and some of the team bonding activities. And, and uh, you know, I was talking to, to Marcus not too long ago, and just in terms of that off-the-field chemistry and making sure that, hey, it's not just when we meet for spring ball or when we're getting ready for training camp, but it seems to be a lot of behind-the-scenes chemistry building as well. How have you seen him sort of try to develop not just coach-player relationship, but letting them know that he's there for them in all aspects? You know, that's just the level of empathy that coach has uh, for his program and for his players. And, you know, I can I, I liken it back to my days at Arizona. The first year we went to a bowl game, we actually – practiced off campus for about four or five days <clears throat> at Fort Huachuca. And to see the, the chemistry and the bonding of our players during that stretch of being off campus where it was all about football uh, was, was remarkable. But nowadays, it's all about it's all through the social media opportunity <clears throat> and outlets that allow the team to, to have some, some unique bonding opportunities. And then coaches is, is always about building so it gives them an opportunity to build and, and, and see the, the, the true character uh, of the guys he's recruited, even though he's recruited that character. It's always nice to see that character manifest itself through through the offseason because if you, if you wait to bond uh, <laughs> when you get to camp, it's too late. Yeah, yeah. Those, uh, those four weeks go by real quick, and it's actually less than four weeks now because the game's on the 27th of August, the opener at Allegiant Stadium against Idaho State. So let's talk about some of the uh, the ticket initiatives, some of the promotions, some of the changes to get more people to Allegiant uh, at more affordable rates. And then you've got special promotions going on with the uh, the sneaker initiative. So uh, fire away on that. Oh, uh, you know it, it's it's uh, it's a unique time uh, in college athletics. You're going to have to do things a lot differently than you've done them in the past. But at the same time, you, you still have people with flip phones. You still have people that read the newspaper every single day versus going online. <clears throat> and you've got you know, you to provide incentives out there for people to attend. There's, there's less and less people watching, uh, going to games uh, across the country uh, because of the opportunities for streaming and those different things. So you try to put together some opportunities that, are, that you can find an ROI on. And, and our sneaker deal... Uh, is really a, 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 a an idea put together with uh, with communication with our Learfield partner uh, to you know with season tickets in football and basketball to be able to obtain these these sneakers that are only available historically to our coaches and our and our student athletes and our staff, but now available uh, in a, to a degree to the general public, and we'll also be combining uh, women's basketball and volleyball as well on, on some initiatives to, to enhance the, the opportunity and the experience for our student-athletes to have people in the, in the stands cheering and rooting them on uh, when they're in the, in, in the sport that they love and the sport that uh, in, their, in their craft. And it's an awesome opportunity to build some more rapport and, uh, with our fan base 
that is looking to have those unique special items that our student athletes have. So when you purchase a pair of season tickets for both uh, UNLV football and men's basketball, you're uh, in for the free UNLV Nike Pegasus, and uh, they're custom. Obviously, they're going to get your size. These are shoes that are worth up upwards of 130 bucks. so very cool, and you get the tickets at UNLVtickets.com. Let's close uh, back on the area we talked about to start things. Um, when you talk to UNLV fans, say, the next couple of weeks, if, if uh, anyone comes up to you and they're like, my God, uh, Eric Harper, the, this is Armageddon. Like, are we going to be left behind? Like, what do you tell UNLV fans about the future? Because uh, I feel a lot of – there's this whole weird thing that it's like if you're not Power 5 or Power 4, like there's just no point in existing, and it's like – Folks, that's not the case. And, and think about the athletes as well. But what do you tell people when, you know, they're panicking a bit right now? No, obviously don't panic. And, and also don't believe everything you read uh, out there. You know, college football landscape continues to shift dramatically. And, and we'll make decisions to the best interest of the university uh, and our student athletes and so forth and so on. But at the same time, uh, it's important that we take care of our house. And I've said this before. It's important that we do everything in our power uh, to make sure that we are the best uh, UNLV we can be uh, academically, athletically, uh, in the community. Uh, we're in a very, very solid, strong market here in Las Vegas. Uh, we have a lot going as, as a sports capital of, of, uh, of the world. And it's important to, for our fans to know that we will do everything in our power to make sure UNLV is positioned to have the best opportunity and have the best interest of the university and student-athletes at hand. Good deal. We appreciate a couple minutes. We know you're busy, and uh, let's catch up again uh, late July, early August, and really get ramped up for football. Sounds great. Uh, appreciate you guys. Uh, have a great 4th of July, and uh, go Rebels. There you go. Eric Harper, Athletic Director at UNLV, will come back, react to the interview, and give you some more of the uh, the rumors out there. I thought what Eric Harper said there towards the end, don't believe everything you read. Right now, people are throwing a lot of stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks. And the other thing is, listen, we're all in the business media, folks. I'm not saying like we're all being disingenuous, but we throw stuff out there sometimes for the point of discussion and reaction. Uh, this doesn't mean that what we're saying is absolutely in line with what ADs and presidents around the country are thinking. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas.